This is the FOMO's Mofo Wrestling Special. Coming up, we take a walk down memory lane with some of the best wrestling games of all time. Just in time for WrestleMania. Welcome to the first ever FOMO's a Mofo special dedicated to some of the things that I love, just like pro wrestling games. I am your host, Blue Swim, and this is going to be more of a casual sit-down trip through memory lane, as I said in the intro, because I have some of my favorite wrestling games of all time sitting right here next to me. You might hear a cartridge or two smack around throughout the show, but this is basically just supposed to be sitting here... You know, chewing the fat on what, one of my favorite genres of video games. And I have a lot of favorites that are with me here today. And basically, I, I should say this. I've been thinking about doing this for quite some time. And the more work I, tr- I put into trying to get, like, the outline together and, you know, revisit all these games, the more of an arduous task it felt to actually you know, do all of these games justice. Like, I, I really wanted to, you know, break these things down and talk about, you know, specifically why these were the greatest games of all time and why this game is better than that game. And it's and it just got to the point where it's like, it felt more like work than I think this subject and, you know, this podcast should be. Um, You know, I, I think it should, should just be, you know, more of a casual talk of you know, everything that I've enjoyed about wrestling games throughout the years, and hopefully I will point you in the direction of trying out a few new things if you haven't gotten around to it. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's like, I I was originally going to do, you know, just, you know, a dissection on the four main wrestling video game franchises out there, the Aki Corporation games, uh, like No Mercy, WrestleMania 2000, WCW, NWO, Revenge, and whatnot, uh, Fire Pro Wrestling, which basically has like parody rosters and timing-based gameplay, um, which is quite frankly one of my favorite video games in general of all time. Uh, the Ukes Engine games like uh, WWE SmackDown, the various SmackDown games, uh, the WWE 2K games for a while there until like just a few years ago when they changed over to visual concepts. Um, and also uh, the Rumble Roses games, which... Those are sitting next to me. Oh boy, have I got a little funny thing to tell you about that one. Uh, And then last, uh, and certainly not least, like I mentioned just a moment ago, the WWE 2K games. It's like those have been the four main franchises, the four pillars of wrestling video games, if you will. And the more I tried to dissect them, it just just got too much. I I think what I'm going to have to do is if I want to explore another episode of a wrestling special, if you will, a volume two, if you will. Um, I, I think I'm just going to dedicate it to like one of the four pillars. And then maybe it will be a little easier for me to kind of get into why these games are so good. This one's good. This one's okay. This one was a step backwards and stuff like that. But this is basically just me sitting here with a stack of my favorite games and reminiscing on some of my old favorites. And speaking of old favorites, I have the first game in my hand. It is, if you can hear it, a Sega Genesis game. This is one of the first wrestling games I ever remember playing or owning. And this is WWF Super WrestleMania. And, of course, this has uh, Hulk Hogan, Macho Man Randy Savage, Ted DiBiase, Papa Shango, and Ultimate Warrior on the cover of it. And uh, in the background, you see like a pixelated, you know, live WWF crowd shot. Um, And what I remember about Super WrestleMania was that there was a fine line between the Sega Genesis versions and the Super Nintendo. And what that fine line was, if I remember correctly, because I didn't have a chance to sit down with this one recently. It's been a couple of years since I've actually done so. But... The difference between the SNES and Genesis versions was that the SNES one did not have finishing moves, but the Genesis did. I think you hit A and C simultaneously to hit somebody with a finishing move when their health was low or something like that. And, you know, these games were done by 
uh, Acclaim, I believe, or Flying Edge. I, I mean, the back of the cartridge says Acclaim, so I'm going to go with that because I know they handled WWF games at one point or another. Um, but, you know, this was like a, you know, 2D side-scrolling, I guess you'd say, or side-perspective uh, wrestling game, and it didn't have like a ton of moves to it or anything. But, you know, the look of the game, you know, the the wrestlers, the arenas and stuff like that, it just had this, like, kind of like a special feel to it. Even back then, you could, like, tell that this was, like, something special, even if, you know, over time the games haven't, you know, aged all that well. But, um, you know, I remember the the uh, the lack of the finishing moves was what really pushed me over to getting the Genesis version, because I, I believe I had rented one of these or another, and I found out uh, the hard way or by reading the instruction manual or whatever at Blockbuster that the Genesis one had the finishing moves and the SNES one did not. I'm like, oh, well, I obviously know what I'm what I'm going to pick up because I want to be able to drop the leg as Hulk Hogan. <laughs> and uh, dropped many a leg I did. Uh, you know, the uh, main single-player mode for this was basically a run at the WWF Championship. I think it was like 10 matches. It was basically like your typical arcade mode, if I remember correctly. And, um, you know, I mean, it it wasn't the greatest wrestling game in the world. I'll, I'll say that. You know, Royal Rumble came out after that, and uh, WWF Raw. Not not the, uh, the Xbox era WWF Raw, but the, uh, the uh, SNES one, or uh, 16-bit one. I mean, it wasn't the greatest game in the world, but it had all the charm to it and personality to it that as a kid you know, I, I really connected with, and, you know, you'd be able to find, like, the, uh, chairs at ringside and bash somebody over the head, and it was just the most stupid, satisfying feeling, even at that age, <laughs> because the, the way it was animated and, like, the grunts and the groans of the wrestlers, uh, it, it just basically brought that game alive, you know, I just, I had so much fun with it, and, um, you know, that really helped pave the way for me to become a wrestling gamer, you know, on a more, much more dedicated basis uh, later on down the road. And I, I basically have, like I said, a bunch of these games sitting here with me. Um, I'm going to try to do this in chronological order as much as possible. Um, but, uh, you know, basically after, you know, after Super WrestleMania, you know, several years of that, uh, eventually, you know, you came to uh, WCW, NWO, World Tour, and Revenge. Uh, I, I spent so many Saturday mornings and afternoons just mauling <laughs> various people in that game as like Goldberg or Hogan or something like that. Um, I didn't have a chance to revisit WCW, NWO, uh, Revenge or anything like that, but... Um, I'm going I'm going to do that again in the future. But I I was able to spend a little bit of time with uh WWF WrestleMania 2000 and No Mercy on the Nintendo 64. And No Mercy has the reputation of basically being the greatest wrestling game of all time. Uh I think it's one of those things that's uh it's a little bit on the debatable side. Um just because, you know, Fire Pro is so good. It has so many strong entries to it. The SmackDown series was really good as well. Um, but the one thing you can't deny is that, you know, No Mercy was the culmination of everything that the previous games had been building up to. Uh, you had a tremendous, you know, roster. And from that period of time, that, you know, 2000 era of WWF, uh, it was absolutely spectacular as a fan. That's that's about the time that I switched over from being a WCW fan to being a WWF one. And um, basically, you know, you had, you know, these all sorts of new moves added to the game over WrestleMania 2000, which was a fantastic game in its own right. Um, you basically had, like, uh, Scotty Two Hotties, The Worm, you know, added in there, and um, the, one of the big things back then was the 3D, you know, the uh, Dudley Death Drop with Bubba Ray and Devon, and, um, you know, I think that was, if I remember correctly, you'd pull that move off by whipping somebody to the ropes, and then both Bubba and Devon, you know, whoever's controlling them, would hit the uh, A button, the grapple button, at the same time, 
And I remember it being trickier in No Mercy than it was in SmackDown 2. I believe that's... Let's see, I got that one sitting here next to me, too. And um, basically, you know, it's like with SmackDown 2, it's like they um, they uh, mapped that move to basically being like a corner tag grapple move. Like you'd whip your opponent to the corner, and then when you go to grapple them in a tag team match, if your partner was right, right next to them, they'd jump in and then do the 3D. So it's so much easier in the SmackDown games, but... You know, there's also this, like, kind of like a satisfaction when you successfully performed, you know, like, one move into another. Like, successfully performing the rock bottom with, like, two rope bounces, like, just like the the way the rock would do it. It's like, back then, it's like, you really had to work for it. It wasn't just like, you know, sitting there and watching a cutscene or anything like that. You actually had to, in your own way, shape, or form, perform it. You had to get the timing right on the, you know, the bounce back and the uh, button press for the for the elbow and everything. But, um, you know, what made the, uh, the Aki games, the Aki Corporation games, so good? It was because you were taking the, you know, the roster and the personality of, you know, WCW and the WWF. Unfortunately, not in the same game, but um, you had those two together. And you were combining it with a gameplay, or with, a, with a gameplay engine that was simulating a Japanese wrestling match it's like puro resu or japanese pro wrestling is uh treated much more like a sport over in japan than it is here in the u.s where you know you see melodramatics all the time and stuff like that it over in japan especially you know during the 90s and stuff like that it was like really sports oriented um and so it's like when you took the uh you know the intense in-ring you know, grappling and strikes and stuff like that of a Japanese wrestling game and paired it up with that that style, that presence of WWF and WCW, it's like it really lent itself to something special. And quite frankly, a lot of the wrestling games that have come since then have not been able to compare because, you know, that was like the secret to the, you know, to the Aki Corporation success, the, the secret formula, if you will. Um... And since then, you know, unfortunately, No Mercy was the last Aki Corporation game that used licensed wrestlers. Unfortunately, uh, that uh, that whole uh, that whole series ended up uh, moving on and becoming Def Jam Vendetta and Def Jam Fight for New York, which were are two ga- two good games in their own right. But you know, personally, I'm not the biggest. Hit- excuse me, not the biggest hip-hop fan in the world. Um, And, you know, but the way they basically modified that engine to work in a more traditional fighting game, like a 3D party brawler fighting game, was actually pretty impressive, too. I mean, I liked the games. Uh, It just wasn't necessarily something I was really in it for, you know, you know, I wasn't in it for the rappers. I was in it, you know, for the Aki engine. And unfortunately, after the success of SmackDown, WWE decided to go in that direction. They decided to use Ukes for their games going forward after No Mercy. And I I want to say there was a canceled follow-up to No Mercy called uh, WWF Backlash. Backlash was a big name back then, as far as pay-per-views go. It was right after WrestleMania. And, of course, it's still the same way as it is now, but it's just not quite the same. Um, and um, I want to say that game ended up getting canceled simply because the Nintendo 64 was on its last legs at that point. And, you know, No Mercy came out in, I want to say it was October of 2000. And when it came out, it actually had some uh, difficulties at launch because the... Uh, there was like a glitch with the save system and you know eventually you know when you're playing around you try to select a certain wrestler the game would freeze and unfortunately mine was like that and i had unlocked several wrestlers like hbk and i think one of mick foley's personas and stuff like that i had several several wrestlers already unlocked and unfortunately it just kept you know 
glitching and glitching and glitching. So I ended up having to take it back and swap it out. And what I did, so I wouldn't lose those wrestlers that I had unlocked, I actually cloned them and saved them to like one of my uh, like transfer packs or expansion packs or whatever they called it for the N64. And I, you know, I, I basically had the unlocked wrestlers saved on that expansion pack. And when I got my new copy, I put it in, uploaded the wrestlers, and there they were. And at least until I, you know, unlocked them a second time. And thankfully, that second copy that I got is the one that I still have to this day. And it's basically one of my most treasured wrestling games, if you will. And let's see, moving on a little bit bit. I got two of the uh, classics from the PlayStation, arguably the best wrestling games on the platform. Those being WWF SmackDown and SmackDown 2, Know Your Role. Now, do you know your role? And uh, quite frankly, it's like, if I remember correctly, what made the original SmackDown game so unique or groundbreaking, uh, in addition to having like full motion video for the you know the wrestler entrance videos and entrance music and stuff like that, um, was that you could brawl backstage, and the way that SmackDown One did it was it's like the backstage areas were almost seamless. It's like you'd you know whip somebody up the ramp, you'd end up at the top of the ramp, and I, I want to say it was just you know just a, like a momentary, uh, just a split second load. Uh, before the, everything returned to uh, return to normal, and unfortunately, when they did it for SmackDown Two, they made it like a far more expansive uh, backstage area. Unfortunately, it came at the expense of the loading times because you'd get, you know, loading screens that were like five and six seconds long. I mean, like notice, noticeably longer than the first SmackDown game, which you know I really enjoyed, and. Um, I mean, I loved them both, but it's like that first one, it's like the way it did the backstage areas and, you know, you had weapons like shopping carts and you could throw somebody into an ambulance, if I remember correctly. I mean, it's like all this stuff was groundbreaking back in like, what, 99, I think this was, or oh, 2000, I guess it was like early 2000. I didn't even think it was that. Um, and it's like nowadays, you know, that stuff is kind of like taken for granted. I mean, it has like a lot of amazing production values on it now. But, um, you know, the SmackDown games, they were just, they were groundbreaking. They were, you know, arcadey, over the top. Uh, and, you know, again, they they tried to simulate Japanese pro wrestling, or the engine was basically, you know, from a Japanese pro wrestling engine. I believe it's um, Tukan Retsuden. Like, the Tukan Retsuden games. I, I might have mispronounced that wrong. It might be Tokan. Um but like the New Japan games that came out before that used that engine, and I have one of those as well, and I forgot to mess around with it a bit. But um, basically, you know this, um, uh, you know this this engine was like another one of those things that, or it started out as a Japanese wrestling game engine, and then they added the WWE flavor to it or the WWF flavor to it. I've gotten in the habit of saying WWE in spite of the fact that it will always be the WWF to me. Um, but it's like the uh, the SmackDown games, I never felt like they gave you the same kind of uh, sense of wearing down the opponent that, you know, the, the uh, Aki Corporation games did. I thought, I thought that was one thing that they did very, very well. It's like you could really feel that you were wearing somebody down you know, in No Mercy or WrestleMania 2000. And then when you, uh, when you go to SmackDown, you're just hitting people with random moves all the time. And it's like, oh, you know, this slap ended up, you know, ending the match for, you know, some random reason. Or it's like, you know, you can hit them with everything you got. And then like two, like one finisher later, it's like, oh, hey, then it's it. it, it it's like, it all felt random to me. But I mean, I, I enjoyed the games, always loved them. Um, but from my personal taste at the time, I was definitely more in the N64 camp than the PlayStation 1, at least when it came to wrestling games. But, um, you know, time went on, and, you know, going forward for quite a while there, you know, the the games came out from Ukes. And they weren't, they weren't bad games. I've, you know, I got another one to talk about here. I'll get to that in a few minutes. Uh, but, um... 
basically, you know, it's like the, the sensation back then, I mean, even on, you know, message boards, video game message boards back then, uh, it's like everybody was just horribly disappointed that that was it for the Aki Corporation games. And, um, and quite frankly, you know, that's one reason why you have seen such an overwhelming demand for more games from that company. You know, it's because, you know, the fans were left wanting more. And quite frankly, I think that's a good way to do it. It's like you want to, you always want to leave people wanting more, not necessarily, you know, giving them everything they want to the point where they're just exhausted of it. And that's kind of what's happened with Ukes. Um, at least with the uh, with the SmackDown games or the modern WWE 2K games. It's like they were basically the only game in town for, let's see, probably 20 years, close to it, uh, before Visual Concepts really took over. And, um, you know, after, you know, 20 years of the games playing, you know, roughly the same way as they always have, it's like, you know, eventually you just kind of get tired of it or just worn out. And, you know, quite frankly, I, I guess I might as well talk about it now. Uh, quite frankly, the uh, the SmackDown games, in my opinion, and I'm separating the SmackDown games in my head between, you know, the games that actually contained the word SmackDown in the title, you know, like uh, SmackDown 1 all the way up through, I think it was SmackDown vs. Raw 2011. I think that was the last one. And I, I think for... For what it's worth, the SmackDown games peaked with uh, Here Comes the Pain, which was, I believe, from 2003? I'm looking on the back. Yeah, 2003 is the copyright on it. And this game was basically the, like, with No Mercy, this was like the pinnacle of the SmackDown games. It's like the engine evolved to the point where you had, you know, a good sense of wearing down your opponent. You know, you basically had you know, a whole bunch of different match types by this point. You know, you had Hell in a Cell that was more than just a cage with a roof on it. You know, like regular steel cage with a roof on it, like back on the PlayStation days. And, you know, I mean, and this one in particular, and this is a sign of the times, how how much times have changed as far as the perception of women in wrestling. You know, this one had a bra and panties match. And I think this is like one of the only games that ever did have it. This is the one that introduced it. And basically, the goal is to, uh, well, strip your opponent down to their brawn panties. <laughs> and, um, you know, at the time, it was groundbreaking. It was, you know, it was, I, I guess you'd say, it was, I, I hesitate to use the word okay, because I, I know it's more, you know, you look back on some of these things, and it's like, ooh, that's, um... Uh, that wouldn't fly nowadays. And quite frankly, this match type was absolutely one of those that would not fly well here in uh, 2022. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean, it's basically, you know, you tackle your opponent and instead of pinning them, it would start like a submission style button tapping mini game where you'd have to uh, remove the top and the bottom, exposing the bra and the panties. And of course, only the women in the roster could do it. But it's like there was just so many different things about this game that really stood out at the time. Besides the obvious fan service, you know, divas, you know, doing sexy things, which was all the time back then. You know, the graphics on this thing still look really, really good. And, uh, yeah, you know, beautiful entrances. You know, I, I can't remember if they started motion capturing them at that point. I think they might have. Um but this is also one of the earlier games to use legends. Like, not just, you know, legends that are legends now and were on the active roster back then, but, you know, like, with No Mercy, you had Andre the Giant, Ken Shamrock, and... I want to say... I guess it was HBK, but I guess... Yeah, I guess it was HBK was in the legends status. And, um... You know, that was, like, one of the first games to use Legends and then No Mercy... Or, uh, Here Comes the Pain, excuse me, comes along. And, you know, it brings about Legends like Sergeant Slaughter, the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, Jimmy Snuka, and uh, a classic version of The Undertaker. And, you know, this is basically, like, the uh, 
like the uh, like the black and purple like funeral parlor early '90s version of the Undertaker. This might be one of the first games to ever have like multiple versions of the Undertaker. Now that I think about it, but the gameplay was just absolutely perfect as far as the SmackDown style goes. You know, you had a great great variety of moves that were animated just to perfection. And that's that's another thing I keep forgetting to mention. Was that like No Mercy and the SmackDown games, you know, the Aki Corporation games, it's like they basically animated these moves in a way that made the animations for them like the definitive way to, that these things should be executed in. And I just I absolutely loved 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 the animation it's like i'd sit there for just sometimes hours on end i'm sure cumulative hours uh just going through the move sets on these things and just watching you know watching moves like the emerald fusion or emerald flotion from mitsuharu misawa you know seeing those things done in like the aki corporation engine it's like i just sit there and study just the motions of them, the, the nuances and details of it. Because, I mean, back then, I really wanted to be a wrestler. It's like, you know, <laughs> I was young and dumb and didn't have my hopes and dreams pounded out of me. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's like I was, like, studying, like, these moves done to perfection, you know, in both, you know, SmackDown, Here Comes the Pain, because you could preview all the moves in, in the edit mode. And, um, like I said, back in No Mercy... And, I, I mean, it's just, it made wrestling kind of, like, feel like an art form, like performing art, I guess you'd say, to me. Even if I didn't really think in performing art terms, I was just studying the execution of these moves, per, you know, as hard as I could, because I still wanted to be a wrestler. Um, but, uh, you know, eventually i tear myself away from the edit modes and staring at the moves being executed and actually play these things, and... I'd have a ball with it. One thing that really made, you know, SmackDown, Here Comes the Pain, one of the better wrestling games was the fact that the roster at that point was near perfect. Like Back then, you know, the thought of having Goldberg and Stone Cold Steve Austin in the same game, it's like, you know, in those years where the had the uh, Monday Night War, it's like the crossover of those two ever getting, you know, ever sparring in anything you know be it a video game or an actual ring or whatever i mean it just felt impossible until you know vince bought wcw and everything that played out afterwards but um you know that actually you know this this game it's like that i think that was like the second appearance of goldberg uh hogan just left the wwe before this game came out because he wasn't on the roster in spite of the fact that this one used the WrestleMania 19 set for WrestleMania. And that was the, uh, that was the match where Hogan and Vince took each other on in a bloody street fight. And I want to say Rowdy Roddy Piper actually returned for that match is like, uh, you know, to run interference on Vince's behalf because, you know, Piper hates Hogan, (laughs) you know, they got history there. And, um, I need to rewatch that actually. I got that on DVD for like a buck a few months ago and I need to watch it. Um but, you know, the rosters is another thing that really was important to these games. And, you know, here comes the pain. It had, you know, near perfect SmackDown gameplay. It had an incredible roster to to go along with it, save for the you know, the emotion the omission of Hollywood Hogan. Um and, you know, a fantastic edit mode, which, I mean, people could do some really amazing things with the, you know, creative wrestler modes in these things. I never really took to it that much. It was like, I, I was too much of an, you know, I had too much of an eye for details. So it's like, it wasn't quite as much fun for me because it's like, you know, I'd try to make Hulk Hogan in it and it would look obviously like a bootleg Hulk Hogan, <laughs> you know, um, you know, and it's like all the other character models would just look absolutely fantastic. But, you know, then you'd put the edit in there and it just kind of looks like it's, you know, just got a glazed over look on its face. And it just wasn't, uh, it wasn't like up to my standards, I guess you'd say. But, um, you know, one thing that, you know, I, I feel is essential to a wrestling game is a great roster. And thankfully, you know, with the modern WWE games incorporating so many legends, so many icons 
it's not as much of a problem now as it was back then. But back then, you know, there was a series that really, you know, took off because of its ability to parody, you know, you know, questionably of questionable legality as far as the parodies go because of how close they were to the real things. But um, basically they make a roster of, you know, parody wrestlers of real world talent and real world organizations. And they'd put all of them in one for them to get to basically create uh, dream matches for the fans. And that game, that franchise I talk about is of course my beloved fire pro wrestling. And, you know, fire pro is one of those series that I heard about for years. I mean, back then, you know, as a kid, you didn't know how to import. You didn't know how to play imported games. But um, you did have the ability to go online and see screenshots of these things. And I remember seeing screenshots of Fire Pro Wrestling G on the PlayStation 1. And it was kind of awe-inspiring to me at that point because, you know, you'd see screenshots of, like, Kane and Goldberg, I want to say, squaring off and like Hogan and The Rock before WrestleMania actually made that a reality. I think it's it's like they had all sorts of different screenshots of all these different WWF guys taking on WCW guys. And it just seemed unfathomable that there was a game out there that allowed you to do that. And I was curious about it for years and years. And then finally, we got the launch of the Game Boy Advance. And with it came a little game from uh, BAM Entertainment called Fire Pro Wrestling. And this little GBA game was the reason why I bought my Game Boy. And I got it two days after the launch of the system. I want I bought it I bought the GBA for this game specifically, but the I want to say I got it at a Kmart. And the Kmart did not get uh did not get Fire Pro. It got uh, Super Mario uh, Advance and F-Zero Maximum Velocity, I think it's called. But it didn't get Fire Pro. And, you know, I searched high and low, and I think my grandmother took me to a Toys R Us that was... Uh, I, I can't remember how far away it was. It was like maybe 20 minutes or half an hour away, something like that, you know, to help me get it. And like really early in the morning. Um, and... um Afterwards, I'm trying the game out, and I, I want to say we're eating breakfast at, like, Roy Rogers or something like that. Um, and I, I remember this this older man, you know, saying, oh, what you got there? And it's like, oh, it's uh, the new Game Boy or something like that. And my grandma was like, oh, go over and go over and show him. And I remember showing him uh, the Fire Pro thing. I don't, I don't remember too much more about it, but I, I know, you know, the, the thing with Fire Pro is... You know that learning curve is pretty tough, so it's like you know I'm I'm showing this guy this this game, and I'm still trying to learn how how to do anything like pin and stuff like that because I I didn't know how Fire Pro worked at that point, um, but you know I remember in the few weeks that um that uh, passed after getting that game, I was I was still having trouble with it because that that learning curve is one of the steepest in video games and probably just about the steepest I've ever played in a wrestling game. And basically a lot of it boils down to the fact that you cannot, you know, simply land a punch. If you're as like, you know, if you're as close as you can to get to somebody, it's like, if you try to punch them, it's, it's going to whiff. And the reason why is because the hitbox on the punch is like right where the punch is like fully extended not like just being close enough and then it'll just auto like home in on the opponent like like it would with like No Mercy and SmackDown and stuff like that. It's like you had to be spaced out properly for every single move. And the pinfalls in the game were also kind of tricky to figure out because not everybody had a pinfall mapped to the same input. You know, this is one side effect of, you know, the GBA only having, you know, four four buttons the two two on the front and the shoulder buttons uh so it's like you had to learn every single wrestler you know differently because they were different and that made it so much trickier to learn but 
you know, when you are staring at a roster that has, you know, Hulk Hogan, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin, back in a time when those two would never have even possibly locked horns. And, you know, and, and on top of that, you, ha- you have, you know, uh, parody rosters of New Japan, All Japan, uh, FMW, and uh, Pro Wrestling Noah, I think, was at that point, too. I think that was, like, right after Noah began. And, um, you know, around that time when I was, you know, when I was, uh, I guess I was still a teenager. Yeah, I was a teenager. Yeah, I better remember that right. <laughs> uh, but, um, you know, I'd just gotten into FMW because of the Tokyo Pop DVDs that they put out. And I'd seen a match on a ECW DVD between Mike Awesome and Masato Tanaka. And that was like one of my introduction uh, introductions to Japanese wrestling. And for Fire Pro to be able to give me the option of recreating that match because that game did have Mike Awesome in some way, shape, or form. I think his name was like Grabby Gussum or something like that. <laughs> it was some ridiculous, absurd parody name. And then, you know, and then the parody of Tanaka. It's like, I, you know, it, it was obvious to me that if I could figure out how to how to actually play these games, I'd have a ball with it. And eventually, I did get over that that mountain. But it took it took a lot of work. And I mean, that's that's one problem with recommending Fire Pro games to anybody is that you know, it's not like the SmackDown games or the Two K games where you can just pick it up and you can play it. It's like you really have to study study very hard. But it's one of those things where once you put in the effort, it's kind of like riding a bike. It's like, you know, learning how to ride a bike can be very tricky, especially if you don't have training wheels. You know, if you take the training wheels off, it's like it can be really hard to get going with it. But once you learn, you never forget how. And it's such a satisfying feeling when you're able to get on a bike and go for a ride or whatever. And it's basically the same thing with Fire Pro. It's like once you've put in that effort and you've learned how to play it. It's like, you can play any game in the series. And, you know, that GBA game, which got me through some pretty tough times after my grandfather had a stroke and we'd have to spend a lot of time in uh, hospitals and waiting rooms and stuff like that. And I remember having a Game Boy Micro at that point. And, you know, as usual, this was, this little copy of Fire Pro Wrestling was always in it. But, um, yeah, it's like, you know, the the Fire Pro series ended up really, you know, getting me through some hard times. And fortunately, you know, because of learning that one game, that one little GBA game, I was able to transfer that enjoyment over to quite a few other entries in the Fire Pro series, including uh, the second, uh, let's see, was it the second? No, it was the third game I got my hands on in the Fire Pro series. It was uh, Fire Pro Wrestling Returns. And when this game was announced, you know, this was for the PlayStation 2. And basically, you know, this has been, let's see, I want to say Fire Pro Wrestling 2 on the GBA came out in 2003. So this, in the, and uh, Returns came out in 2007 in the U.S. So it had been about, I'd say, four to five years since Fire Pro anything had come out. So... And, and, you know, because of that, I was just playing away at the Game Boy games. It's like, I really didn't buy as many games for the Game Boy as I probably would have under normal circumstances because all I wanted to play was Fire Pro. (laughs) And when this game got announced, and this was published by Age Tech, and, you know, when, when this got announced, I literally almost fell out of my seat. I rocked back so hard, I almost slid forward out of the chair. I was so stunned, so shocked, and so elated that there was going to be a new Fire Pro Wrestling game for me to get my hands on. And when it came out, I got my paws on it. And what was ridiculous, this is the thing that made it even better than it already was, was the fact that you know, Fire Pro Returns launched at 15 bucks. It was a budget-priced game. And, it, you know, I still have my copy. You can hear it as a physical copy for 15 bucks. I could not get over that back then. I, quite frankly, still can't get over it now. And basically, Fire Pro Returns 
it's kind of one of those things where you can argue that this was like the No Mercy for Fire Pro. It was like the culmination of everything the series had been leading to. And, you know, you had a massive, massive roster of talent. I want to say it's like 336 wrestlers. I, uh, let's see. I don't know if it's... Uh, choose from over 300 wrestlers or create and save your own wrestlers, refs, rings, logos, and belts. Because the edits in the creation elements of Fire Pro are also one of the biggest uh, draws of the series. But... um. The roster was massive. Unfortunately, it was lacking the American talent that was seen in some of the earlier games like Fire Pro Wrestling D, which I'll talk about in a moment. But the creator wrestler parts, the edit parts, were still in the game. So you could basically go in there and you could create the uh, Fire Pro Wrestling equivalent of Stone Cold Steve Austin. You could pull basically like the move data and, you know, like the... uh, I guess you'd say the appearance attributes from one of the Fire Pro games, you know, like as far as like the the size of his chest and, you know, the size of the thighs and stuff like that. And, you know, basically use that to help recreate him accurately, at least for the Fire Pro series standards, uh, in Fire Pro Wrestling Returns. And that was like one of the first things I did was I went out and tried to make Stone Cold Steve Austin. And, um, I mean, it... It was one of those games where, you know, like, again, it had a steep learning curve, but because of playing the previous Fire Pro games, it was easy to pick up. Uh, it made some ch- some changes that I feel were a little bit of a step back as far as presentation goes. But, um, you know, ultimately, you know, it ended up being a really, really phenomenal game. And quite frankly, until Fire Pro Wrestling World came about, it's like the online community for Fire Pro was still, you know, trading saves online. Uh, they actually found a way to do it and, you know, copy it from the memory card and upload it and download it to somebody else's memory card and, you know, share edit packs and stuff like that. I mean, it was, I mean, this community, the Fire Pro community really kept this game, you know, going for God knows how long. I mean, it, I mean, Fire Pro Wrestling World came out what in two thousand or twenty eighteen, I think it was, and uh, you know, basically that game brought about the ability to share edits online. Basically, revolutionized you know sharing the the the, uh, the edit experience, if you will, and the roster experience. Um, but you know, up until then. You know, it's like the community, the online community kept this game going and, you know, kept it in the, you know, in the forefront of people's minds, you know, apparently at Spike um, for, you know, quite a few years. And eventually they were able to get a new game out. But um, Returns is just one of those games where I've spent just countless, countless hours with it. And, you know, the gameplay can't be beat. You've got four you have the ability to do four on four or eight man battle royals. And it, it, you know, it's like at that point, you know, eight men in the ring was just, you know, absurd. You didn't think that was even possible, save for maybe that one Ukes developed uh, Royal Rumble arcade game that came to Dreamcast. Uh, I always liked that game and didn't have a good reputation. Um, but, um, you know, Returns was one of those games where it's like, it's a cult classic. It's actually still out, I believe, on PS2 Classics on PS3. Um, I'm going to be curious to see if it comes to the uh, recently announced changes to PlayStation Plus. Uh, we'll see about that in the future, I guess. Um, but, you know, I loved Returns so much that... You know, I I basically became obsessed with recreating the missing wrestlers from the roster because at that point, WWF had wised up to the fact that, hey, you know, you got wrestlers in your game that look just like our talent. You better knock that shit off. And, you know, Spike did. They just took out the added parts. Um, But that made me curious as to what, you know what some of the earlier games were like as far as whether or not I could even bring some of the talent from those games forward into returns by playing some of the older games and, you know, checking out the edit modes and stuff like that. And that eventually led me to Fire Pro Wrestling D on the Sega Dreamcast, which basically is my all-time personal favorite 
uh, wrestling game. Uh, well, I'm, I don't mean to slight you, Fire Pro Wrestling. I mean, you might be, like, number one, but as far as, like, the overall, like, the overall experience goes, I think Fire Pro Wrestling D is, like, the quintessential wrestling game and probably the the definitive uh, Fire Pro Wrestling game. As a matter of fact, it says definitive in the intro video for it. But this basically had, you know, the rosters that were, you know, about accurate for early 2001. Um, you had the American talent like Hogan, Austin, uh, The Undertaker, M Shawn Michaels, Goldberg. I mean, just on and on. Basically, that's always been the appeal of Fire Pro was that, was that ability to create those, what you'd, I guess, call forbidden door dream matches. And, you know, basically Fire Pro D had the exploding cage deathmatch, which you might have seen clips online of it from time to time. It was pioneered in FMW, I believe. And it's this exploding cage rigged with barbed wire, and like, if you don't defeat your opponent by a certain time, then like, one of the pyro explosives around the ring goes off, and it basically makes this like, knockout uh, potential situation where it's like, oh, you were winning that match, but hey, guess what? The, the pyro went off and you got knocked out, and it's just I've had so many matches like that. And it's one of those things where it's like, I really associate it with, with Fire Pro. And this was like the one of the last games to have it. I can't remember if they changed it for Fire Pro Z or not. Um, I never picked up Z because Returns came out and basically just stomped all over it. Um, but, you know, this had, you know, the perfect American roster, you know, near-perfect American roster, all the international, you know, parodies or names that you know and love, you know, Misawa, Kenokobashi, uh, Masahiro Chono, Antonio Inoki. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. But, you know, it had them all in one game. Turnkey, you just turn, you know, turn the game on. And, you know, you could unlock the uh, legendary bonus wrestlers, you know, the parodies of Ric Flair and Andre the Giant and whatnot by entering, I think it was like, I want to say it's like when you're on the main menu, you press like the Y button and L and R at the same time and you go back and forth, like try to do it multiple times and eventually it, you'd hear like a sound effect and it would work. But, you know, the roster on this was perfect. It had that exploding cage death match that I feel is just, you know, one of the uh, quintessential Fire Pro modes. And, uh, you know, then... On top of that, you had the eight on eight, or you had the four on four gameplay, or the eight men in the ring gameplay, which was an increase over the Sega Saturn Fire Pro game, uh, six man scramble. And uh, this also introduced new graphics. Uh, basically, I guess you'd say the modern Fire Pro style, to tell you the truth, because uh, Fire Pro Wrestling World still uses the same uh, sprite assets as Fire Pro D. So if you like the modern games, you can go back to D pretty easily. But, um, you know, you, I mean, this is just one of those games where it's like, I could just chew your ear off for hours about it. And I've already talked quite a bit at about Fire Pro, but, um, you know, it's like, this basically simulated the wrestling industry. It was more than just a WWF game or a WCW game. It was an industry game. And that's what made it stand out to me. And I, I loved this game so much. I was—I mean, they had like mixed martial arts mode and a regular barbed wire mode where you could throw your opponents out of the ring. And um, they'd land on like uh, pieces of plywood with barbed wire on them. I mean, it was, it was like typical Japanese deathmatch stuff, but in video game form. And it was just mind-boggling to me at the time and I still love it to this day and I loved D so much that I actually went out of my way to track down one of the strategy guides to it. It was Fire Pro D The Complete and not the easiest book in the world to find but it has all the stats, all the parameters, all the information that the game doesn't tell you and I bought this specifically to bring the Fire Pro D roster forward into fire pro wrestling returns i mean it's that's my kind of level of dedication to it and you know i mean at one point i've had you know dual screen setups i have d running on one machine or one screen and 
you know, returns going on the other and I'm going back and forth and copying over like, you know, color data and, you know, move sets and all, all these other little nuances that, you know, you can only guesstimate if you don't have one of the previous games. And I'm just, I'm getting so meticulous with it. And, you know, I just, it's one of those games where it really, truly brings out the nerd in me. <laughs> but um, I've spent so much time with it. I've just, I've loved this series so, so incredibly much that I can't count the hours that I have spent with it. And speaking of franchises that I've spent so many hours with it that I can't count, uh, the last one that I have to talk about on this wrestling special is Rumble Roses. <laughs> and this is the series of sexy wrestling games powered by the Ukes and SmackDown engines. Such as, uh, you know, bringing all sorts of the uh, SmackDown moves and whatnot in. And this game is, I believe, the pioneer. I, I, I have both Fire Pro, or, uh, Rumble Roses. i got Fire Pro on the brain. Uh, Rumble Roses on the PS2 and Rumble Roses XX on the Xbox 360. And, you know, these games actually pioneered the, uh, <laughs> the quote-unquote mud mode. Or basically, women's bikini mud wrestling. <laughs> I mean, I mean, let's be honest here. I'm, I'm not going to deny that these games are like total male chauvinist pig material. <laughs> but what made them interesting, in spite of all the, you know, the sex appeal, and I mean, there is a tremendous amount of, you know, fan service going on in these games. But it's all tied in with this technically sound and really good wrestling gameplay engine <laughs> you know um it's just one of those rare things where you know no matter you know no matter how you know raucous and raunchy it gets it still plays like a dream so it's like there's still some redeeming value to it uh even if the uh the voice acting uh is delightfully cheesy <laughs> we'll say um but and the i mean Good lord, it's like you can't go two seconds looking at this game without getting some sort of eyeful of something. <laughs> but um, you know, one thing that also made the uh, the Rumble Roses games unique was that it had something called humiliation uh, KOs or humiliation submissions or something like that. And basically, you could beat your opponent, you know, by you know pinfall submission or one of these you know special. Uh, kind of kinky sexy unusual uh submission moves and <laughs> i mean it's i mean if you i mean you can just assume how much fun i had with this when i was in my my teens <laughs> but um uh one other feature that the series pioneered and it was actually um i was actually kind of like you know, divided on it when I was younger because of the way it was implemented in the first game, uh, was it actually had, like, a face and heel system. Uh, and what I mean by that is you could, you know, fulfill all these mi different objectives to uh, to basically turn your wrestler into the ultimate good guy or the ultimate bad or I should say good girl and, or bad girl. <laughs> uh, naughty or nice. Um, and when you fulfilled a certain a certain amount or a certain criteria or enough of it it would basically uh change the persona of the wrestler that you were controlling if you were playing as the uh the cover girl reiko hinomoto it would turn her into rowdy reiko and she'd have this completely different attire like a, a, a kind of like a bodysuit i guess you'd say uh like open all the way down the chest or most of most of the way down the chest uh she basically would took the persona of like joining a biker a biker gang or something like that <laughs> i mean it you'd see like metamorphosis of that um uh, for every or like that for every member of the roster and it was pretty unique at the time and quite frankly you actually don't see too much of that now i mean it's just basically oh you're a good guy you change the setting oh now the crowd boos you or cheers you or whatever but um it's like you basically had a significant payoff 
to being either good or bad in the game. And, you know, certain moves that you do, they would basically fulfill that, you know, like a naughty gauge or humiliation gauge or whatever, and then you'd be able to do those naughty moves. But if doing those moves was against, like, your character, I don't, your, your uh, like, face or heel persona, then I don't think it would generate as much of the humiliation. I, I could be remembering that wrong. But, um, you know, it's it's just one of those franchises where, you know, it actually had some pretty strong characters to it. Um, you had, you know, sisters, one that was, like, kidnapped and turned into, like, some sort of, like, a... Uh, like a brainwashed uh, bodyguard for somebody. And you had like the D like the, I mentioned Reiko Hinamoto and basically her mother had ended up, I guess she died. And like this naughty nurse in the game called uh, Dr. Anesthesia, I think it was uh, basically took their mom's DNA and put it into this robot called Lady X or something like that. So basically they were like wrestling their mother brought back from the dead through genetics or something like that. I mean, it, it's ridiculous. It's tongue in cheek. Um, and, you know, in spite of, you know, the sex appeal, I mean, there was something redeeming about the actual gameplay to it. And, you know, the sequel was actually, you know, it, the gameplay was still pretty good with it, but I think there was like some slight, um, I don't know if I'd call them downgrades or what, but it's like some things didn't didn't get quite as polished for the sequel, uh, Rumble Roses XX, as, um, you know, they weren't quite as polished as they were in the original Rumble Roses game. But, um, but I still had a lot of fun with this, and I mentioned time uh, a little bit earlier and ha spending countless hours, and... Um, I ended up breaking the gameplay clock in Rumble Roses XX. It topped out somewhere in like the 230 hours or 40 hours mark, and then it just kind of zeroed out or 99 out or something like that. I mean, I I don't know how many hours I've actually spent with this game, but uh, yeah, it's forever lost to the uh, annals of time because I played it so much I broke it. <laughs> I mean, it's it's ridiculous, but I mean, one th oh, one thing I keep forgetting to mention with this is that the uh, the soundtrack was actually really, really good. Um, the uh, opening the uh, the opening video used a cover of "Yankee Rose" by Van Halen, I think it is. There's, I don't think it's maybe it's Sammy Hagar. I, anyways. Um, uh, I'm not sure if that was like after he went solo or whatever. Um, but you know, the rendition that they used in that game was really, really good. And, um, basically it's like all the wrestler entrance themes were done very well. Uh, I think Soda Fujimori from Dance Dance Revolution fame, uh, was in there as well. He had like this rock and roll remix of one of the songs from DDR, um, Look to the Sky, I think it is, or Look at the Sky. And it is just the most amazing guitar song. And, I mean, you if you looked at this game, if you looked at, you know, sexy women wrestling game, you would not expect this absolutely amazing audio track to have come out of it. But, you know, definitely go on YouTube and check out the Rumble Roses mix of uh, Look to the Sky by uh, F Soda Fujimori. It is absolutely worth your time. And, you know, it's just, it, it, like I said, it's just way better than you'd ever expect uh, a, sound, a soundtrack or a song from a game like this to, to be. And, you know, the Rumble Roses franchise may not be the greatest in the world, but, you know, for what it's worth, you know, I enjoyed the hell out of them. I'm looking forward to what Ukes is doing next, because that was another, you know, Ukes franchise or SmackDown franchise. And Ukes is working on the next, the, uh, their next video game, which is going to be with AEW. And um, I, I know we're supposed to hear more about it later this year. I don't know that it's going to come out this year. I want to say that's probably going to be like a 2023 game, if I had to guess. 
but, you know, that's anybody's guess for this particular moment in time. Um, that actually will just about do it for all the games that I brought with me to talk about. And I hope you enjoyed this, you know, sit-down conversation. I'm sure it kind of meandered and rambled far, far more than it probably should have. But, you know, you know, it's just one of those subjects I get pretty passionate about. And there's just, there's just so much to cover with all of these games that I just... I can only just sit here and kind of casually talk about them. Because if I try to get, you know, meticulously detailed, you know, with every single one... Uh, I don't, I don't know if I'd ever be able to stop recording. I mean, there's just so much history there. There's so many fantastic games. And, you know, I hope going forward the uh, wrestling game industry starts to thrive again. You're seeing more wrestling games, you know, coming out lately. Uh, Retromania, which is like a, a, modern, a modern arcade, you know, pixel art type game with some licensed legends. Uh, we just recently talked about the uh, wrestling RPG game, WrestleQuest. Uh, WWE 2K22 just launched to apparently good reaction because it salvaged the WWE and 2K relationship. I talked about that on episode 10 of FOMO's a Mofo. Um, and, um, you know, and then with the AEW game coming up, I mean, it, the future for wrestling games is looking a lot brighter than it has in recent years. It's like for a while there, it's like WWE 2K games were basically the only thing holding the industry, holding that that genre, I should say, together. But, you know, now we are, you know, we're, we're seeing so many more games coming out. And it's really encouraging. As a matter of fact, there is uh, an SNK... Neo Geo Color wrestling game that just launched on the eShop. Um, I need to check that one out a bit. But, um, you know, wrestling seems to be getting popular again. Uh, you know, AEW is doing very good in the ratings. They're usually around a million uh, viewers a show, give or take. Um, they actually beat Monday Night Raw in the uh, prime 18, uh, 18 to 49 demographic, so Obviously, they're doing something right. You know, wrestling is getting in. You know, interesting again. You're seeing more, uh, more smaller companies that are even trending on Twitter, uh, like uh, Game Changer Wrestling, which you know it's a smaller promotion. They do deathmatch stuff from time to time, but um, you know, it's like this is like one of those boom periods for wrestling that it goes through. It's like you'll get you'll get like a period of time where. You know, a couple of different promotions hit their strides. You know, it's like separate times or whatever. And then you have ones like, you know, like around this time where so many different companies are putting out such a high quality product that no matter where you go, no matter what show you're watching, you're going to get some good wrestling out of it. I, I mean, I know the WWE's, you know, storytelling and booking and stuff like that uh, leaves a lot to be desired in recent years. But you can't really argue with the the quality of the in-ring action. They've really, really done an amazing job getting that product to where it is today and, you know, building up a new generation of talent that's, uh, you know, going to be coming up in NXT. Uh, NXT 2.0, I should say. I mean, it's, you know, the future is bright no matter what show you're watching. And quite frankly, you know, if, you know, things hit a speed bump here and there, you also have an entire, you know, an entire back catalog of amazing wrestling games to tide you over until things get good again. You know, wrestling goes in waves, but, you know, when it's good, it is absolutely phenomenal. Well, I think that is going to do it for this pro wrestling special. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I apologize for the live stream. Apparently, we've been having issues with it. Uh, but uh, I will get the fixed archive up. Of course, why do I need to say this to you? It's, the stream is down. You're listening to it through the podcast. You already know it's fixed. <laughs> but... Um, Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe to FOMO's a Mofo on your favorite podcasting providers. And the live stream feed is going to be going up on several different platforms. As a matter of fact, it's already up on several as it is. 
So if you want the full unedited version of today's live stream, I will make that available on there. Or you can just wait for the edited version. You can follow FOMO's Amofo on Twitter at FOMO's Amofo or my personal account at Blue Swim. And if you get the chance, please leave the shows, the live stream and the regular podcast a uh, five-star review on places like Apple Podcasts and, you know, thumbs up on whatever platforms you can because it really helps the show out and it, you know, it helps build the listener base and I really, really appreciate that and I also really need that. (laughs) Well, that'll do it for this wrestling special of FOMO's a MoFo. I hope you had a good time listening to me ramble on and I will talk to you on the next show. See you next time.